That's all I want to know. Did you come expecting? Amen. Because God will meet that expectation. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to be looking at verses 13 through 15 starting off. First thing I want to point out, some of you may be new to this whole message on divine healing and deliverance. And so I'm just going to kind of talk about a few things that I talked about on the first healing service, just cover a few things, and then I'm going to be touching on something new. You know, most Christians, when they hear the word salvation, most Christians think that it just means when they die from this earth, when they die, their physical body dies, their spirit's going to go to heaven, and they're going to be in heaven for eternity. You understand what I'm saying? That's what most people think. When they hear, hear the word salvation, they simply think that. But the word salvation has been called the all-inclusive word by some people. The all-inclusive word. The Greek word that's translated salvation or saved is the Greek word sozo. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to you right now, but let me explain what it means. That word sozo in the Greek literally means blessings of healing, preservation, health, soundness, deliverance, spiritual and physical healing. That one word means all of those things. Yet we seem to just break it down and just think of it is simply, well, when you take your last breath on this earth, I'm going to be in heaven for eternity, right? Well, praise God for that, because that is part of sozo, or part of salvation. But a lot of people, what I find, they, they miss it. They, they, they take that part of it, but some people actually think that God wants you to live a, a defeated life on this earth. Many people think that. They think, well, the blessing's just going to be when, when we're swept up and we're in heaven for eternity. But you're missing it because God has created a provision for you and I as Christians to live an abundant life on this earth. Amen? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And I'm glad. That's why you're here tonight because you don't want to miss it. Amen? Hallelujah. Romans 10, 13 through 15. Listen to this. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, listen to this, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel or good news of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, if you, have, if you have a pen, I want you to underline the word things. Notice there's an S on the word things. That means there's more than one blessing. Glad tidings of good things. Not just one thing. Not just for the by and by when you get up into heaven one day. But those other things included are things on this earth for you and I that we can tap into to live a victorious life. Amen? Now, I mentioned at the first healing service, and you have to know this, where, where did sickness, disease, and bondage enter the picture? Because if we know where those things entered and how they entered, well, that gives us a good picture to determine if those things are from God or not. Amen? Well, 
sin, sickness, or sickness, disease, and bondage entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. That is when the curse came into the picture. And uh, there's another thing. Sickness, disease, and bondage is always in the Word of God referred to as a curse. As a curse. Never a blessing. <laughs> Never a blessing. Um, the devil would like you to believe that, though, right? He tries to trick you with Paul's thorn in the flesh and all that. How many here have ever been told that the thorn in the flesh was a sickness or disease? Raise your hand. Look at that. The thorn in the flesh, Paul did not have a sickness or disease. Now, I have a whole teaching on this. It's a CD, 25 minutes long from the last healing service. But it was not a sickness and disease. I give all the scripture to back up. It wasn't. He's talking about persecution. Because he said, I called out to the Lord to remove it. Three times I asked the Lord to remove it. And he said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, if it was a sickness or a disease, that wouldn't be in line with all the other parts of the word that talk about healing. Right? But why, why does it make sense that it was persecution? A demon spirit was following him around, a thorn in the flesh, causing persecution. Because Jesus never promised to deliver us from persecution on this earth. Are you catching on? See, God doesn't contradict himself. God does not contradict himself. So, I submit to you that the thorn in the flesh was not a sickness, not a disease. Amen? So, all of these things, the curse, entered when sin entered the picture. It was never in God's original plan. God is not the author of sin. Neither is he the author of the fruit of sin. You understand that? He's not the author of the fruit of that sin. So you could say it this way, that sin was the doorway where sickness and disease and bondage entered the picture. Amen. Now, that you have to catch on to that. That has to be a foundation that you have to hold, grab onto, okay? Because that's going to lay all the other building blocks about healing, deliverance, and all of the other benefits. Um, you know, let's think about this. Now, sometimes people just throw phrases out, but let's really think about this now. To say that uh, the fruit of sin is the will of God, you would have to say then that Sin must be the will of God. Think about that, right? If, if, if you're going to say that the fruit of sin, the sickness, disease, and bondage, when it entered the picture, if, that, if people say, well, you know, I'm sick, I have this cancer because it's the will of God for me, he just wants me to struggle, he, you know, it's a growing process uh, that I have this, you know, that I'm laying in bed puking all day. Come on, let's think about this now. God is not the author of sin. He's not the author of the fruit of sin, which are these things. Amen? So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm picking apart uh, all of these lies that Satan ha in, has been throwing around in the body of Christ on this earth. And, you know, we laugh, and yeah, it, it is, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But there are people in the graves who went home to be with the Lord Christians, yes. They went home to be with the Lord before their time because they took hold of the lie that Satan has fed them all their life. Amen? That's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. Um, you know, when you, when you preach the healing message from the Word and deliverance and all that, 
You know, you have a lot of people who, who come against you and try to throw things out to you, you know. They say, yeah, but sickness and disease, it is the will of God. He's trying to teach you a lesson. He's trying to teach you a lesson. And I say, all right, well, have you ever gone to the doctor in your life? Well, yeah. Well, if you believe that sickness and disease is the will of God, why are you fighting the will of God? You see, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. You understand what I'm saying? So people who say these things, they're, they're saying them in ignorance because they don't know what the Word of God says. But it does a lot of damage. And like I said, there's people in the grave today because they bought the lie. They took the fruit and ate it. Amen? Go to 1 John 3, 8 with me. I have a lot of ground I need to cover tonight. So I'm going to try to get through it as quickly as I can. And we always uh, make available the CDs um, to the healing service and, and stuff. So you can get a free CD of this service also. 1 John 3, 8 says this. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. So we see now that everything that Jesus did on this earth was for that purpose. It says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, right? So everything that Jesus Christ did when he was on this earth in the flesh, everything he did was aimed at the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. Um, now, Acts 10.38 Acts 10.38. Most of you know these. Some don't. Never hurts to look it over again. Amen? We need to constantly be filling ourselves with the Word of God. And, and especially this kind of a topic. Because so many, so much deception, you know. People can, can throw things at you, you know. And, and, and they can steal your faith. Right? That's why we constantly need to be feeding on the Word of God. Building our faith in the word. Now, Acts 10.38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we see here that Jesus... Now, by the way, the miracles, signs, and wonders that Jesus did on this earth, he didn't do them because he was the Son of God. Jesus did not do those things because he was the Son of God. He came down, God came down as a man, and it says he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. All right? Now, Jesus in, in John 14, 12, don't miss it. He said, the works that I've done, you will do also. Because it says you're ambassadors for Christ. Now, it says here, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by who? The devil. So now we see where uh, the oppression came from. Well, what did Jesus do? He went around preaching, teaching the gospel, healing the sick, opening blind eyes, and he went around setting people free by casting out demons, right? And it says right here in that verse that the pe people were oppressed of the devil. All right? So now, James 5.14 James 5, 14. 
See, the more scriptures I can give you to build your faith upon, it's like if uh, Bobby came up here and, and I had him come up, stand on one leg up here, and I knocked him, I could push him over because he's only on one leg. If he stood on two, push him, well, he'd be a little more stable. If I told him to get down on all fours, well, I couldn't hardly budge him because he's got more of a foundation. More scripture you have, the more foundation for your faith you can have. Because faith comes by what? Hearing and by hearing by the word of God. Amen? Not by opinion. Not by opinion. It comes from the word. That's the, the word of God is the only thing on this earth that can build faith in an individual. That's the only thing. James 5, 14 and 15. Listen to this. Is any sick among you? Now, I want you to notice, first off, the book of James, James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to Christians. Is any sick among you? Okay? He's, this book is written to believers now. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. There's that word save. Sozo shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, what's interesting to me here, a prayer for healing is referred to as a prayer of faith. Now, I did a teaching on the prayer of faith with my congregation a, a few weeks back, and we've, we studied through it. Now, people, you have to know this. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You just, healing in, in all the benefits of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know it's God's will for you to be healed, chances are you won't be. You understand? Because you're buying into the lie of Satan that God wants you sick. Okay? So faith begins where the will of God is known. Uh, and, so, and so if you don't have faith for something, if you don't know it's God's will for you to be healed, you can't have faith for it. Then all that prayer is is a prayer of hope. Okay? And, and you don't receive with hope. Okay? And that's, that's another teaching. It, the faith is what receives now, you can only pray the prayer of faith for something, something that is promised to you as a believer in the Word of God. And God refers to prayer for healing. Now, catch this. He refers to prayer for healing as a prayer of faith. Let me say that again. The prayer, you can only pray a prayer of faith for something that you know is guaranteed to you in the Bible. God refers to prayer for healing as a prayer of faith. Now, why is that so important? Because evidently, God believes that he has given you and I enough evidence in the word that healing belongs to us on this earth. Did you catch that? Don't miss it. Evidently, God believes that he put enough information in the word for you and I to know that it's his will to be healed, or else he wouldn't call it a prayer of faith. Don't miss that. That is a huge key. I feel like camping out on that for a while. Uh, Acts 3.16. Acts 3.16. 
tell you, if, you, if you've been told that healing, that sickness and disease is just your lot in life as a Christian, and you, and you can't do anything about it, you took the fruit. You took the bait of Satan. Because he's a liar, and Jesus said he's the father of lies. Amen? Well, why would the enemy want you to buy that? Because he wants you dead. He wants you off the face of the earth so you can't make a move for God in your life and touch other people for God. You understand that? Satan and demon spirits want you guys dead and me. Acts 3.16. Now, this passage of Scripture, uh, Peter and John were on their way to the temple for the hour of prayer. They came upon this, this lame man and, uh, at the gate called Beautiful. And uh, Peter, of course, heals this man. The power of God flows through Peter, lifts this lame man up, and it says immediately his ankle bones received strength, and he was healed. A miracle has taken place, okay? Now look at this. Acts 3.16. Peter, by the way, is, is talking to the Pharisees about this, because the Pharisees were really religious people. <laughs> and they got really upset that this lame man was healed in the name of Jesus. All right? See, that's what religion does to you. You understand me? All these mindsets, they, you know, they could care less that, that some guy who's been lame all of his life is now walking and running and leaping and praising God. They didn't care. That's what religion does to you. Amen? Listen, Acts 3.16. So Peter's given a, a kind of a speech to the Pharisees. It said, uh, and his name, meaning Jesus, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you now see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Remember what I told you, what salvation means. Hello. It says, and his name, and faith in his name. So evidently, healing must be in the name of Jesus. Healing must have been accomplished through Jesus. Because it just said, faith in his name. Did you catch that? Now, Jesus said that he came to do the will of his father. Did he not? The scriptures, he said, I've come to do the will of my father. Well, if sickness, disease, and bondage was the will of God, Jesus would be fighting against his Father's will when he was on this earth. He would be undoing his Father's will then, right? But he didn't. He said, I've come to do the Father's will. He said, in fact, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And everywhere Jesus went, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and was doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, what you have a lot of times, most people when it comes to the topic of healing, uh, they get tripped up by personal experiences in their life. People, uh, maybe a family member, you know, who, who died of a, a disease. And, and this family member, like grandma, you know, uh, uh, grandma, she was a great Christian. She loved the Lord and she still died of cancer. So, you know, healing must not be for today. Because she loved the Lord with all of her heart. And so a lot of people get tripped up on that. So they make doctrine out of their experiences. Amen? That you see it all the time. 
They say, well, I prayed for her and she still died. You know, people, when it comes to situations like that, there's so many factors involved. That's why you, don't, you can't base your faith on experiences. You base it on the word of God. You know, typically what I've found out is that grandma went to a church that doesn't teach the healing message or believe the healing message. So, and, and she really didn't, ha she didn't have any knowledge of it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. It's just a biblical principle. You know, so many people get bent out of shape when they hear uh, the word faith. Well, I'm sorry, we serve a faith God. The Bible says that we are to live by faith, right? So faith is important. So that's what I found out most of the time. People base their faith, or try to, on personal experiences. Uh, in the past, people who passed away, who, they, who loved the Lord, and they just weren't healed. You can't do that. Don't throw it out the window. You base your faith on the Word of God. And let me say this, everything that happens on this earth is not the will of God, by the way. You know, you hear people all the time say, well, you know, if it's the will of God, it's going to happen. Well, I prayed for them, it didn't, they didn't get healed, it must not be the will of God. Well, if you're going to look at it that way, that everything that happens on this earth must be the will of God, well, God must be pretty mean then. Because there's kids right now getting molested and raped. There's women getting raped. There's someone being murdered right now. Even as we speak. There's kids being aborted right now. Everything that happens on this earth is not necessarily the will of God. Put that in your memory bank and don't forget it. Amen? Now, tradition can make the word of God of no effect in your life. Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees, he said, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. It's possible uh, to short circuit the blessings that are meant for you as a Christian because of your tradition, because of your unscriptural mindsets. It's possible to short circuit the power of God in your life. Did you know that? It's possible because of the traditions. He's, Jesus said, you make void the word of God. You make the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Or he's talking about the unscriptural mindsets, the unscriptural beliefs. So, so if your unscriptural beliefs can cut off the power of God, well, your faith then, your belief in what it says, must activate the power of God in your life. Amen? It's like that plug right there. You know, you pull it out, uh, you're going to lose power on that camera, okay? That's, that's kind of like what a Christian does when they're in unbelief. They're, they're not plugged in. But when you have faith, plug back in, now the power of God is activated and can flow. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, so that was kind of a review. Now I want to touch on a topic uh, that's, that's in the healing message here. And, uh, and I'm going to take off here. You know, we have, as Christians, obviously in, in the physical and divine healing, we've been told to lie. Uh, and we mentioned that. Some of the lies are that, uh, obviously, uh, divine healing is not included in the Word. God doesn't want you healed. But we've also bought another, another lie in the body of Christ today. And for the most part, we believed it. This lie has made many Christians remain in bondage, confusion, 
frustration, and some even driven to suicide because of despair in their life. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of, the, of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The part I want to focus on on that is the to preach deliverance to the captives. And I touched on this on Sunday if you were at the service. The lie is this, that a Christian can't possibly need deliverance from demonic spirits. This lie has driven so many Christians into the ground. And uh, I'll tell you what, Satan and demonic spirits are working overtime to keep themselves under the radar, so to speak. So they're not detected and dealt with and casted out of the people's life. Uh, now, most people who have been involved in the ministry of casting out demons, or as we call it also, the ministry of deliverance. Uh, you know, most people who say that a Christian can't have a demon or need deliverance, most of the people who say that, or I'm going to step on and say probably all of them, have never been involved in an exorcism. They've never been involved in deliverance ministry in their whole life. And, uh, but I'll tell you this, the Christians who work in deliverance ministry on a regular basis or who have ever seen it at all, they'll tell you, yeah, yeah, a Christian can be demonized and need deliverance from demonic spirits. Now, I want to lay a foundation for you today from the Word of God of why that's so. Because the very first thing is someone thinks when they, when they think of a, someone who's demon-possessed, you know, they... they Think of the movie The Exorcist, right, in Hollywood, where, you know, uh, someone's spitting out uh, some green goo and their head's spinning around, all right? It's not like that, all right? That's Hollywood. And the devil, by the way, uses that to scare people away from this whole area. Um, but, uh, you know, most of the time, a lot of people, so the first thought when someone hears that is, no way, a Christian can't have a demon. He's got the Holy Spirit in him. There's no way he can well, I want to go through the Word of God and give you some foundational scriptures that's going to prove my point that deliverance is a benefit for the Christian, not an unbeliever. Amen? Now, a lot of people push the demon problem off to the unbeliever. Look at Matthew chapter 12 with me. Matthew chapter 12 Verses 43 through 45. You know, this topic, it angers me. You know, when, when people, you know, even sometimes pastors or, you know, and these people say, well, there's no way you can be demonized, you know? And, and so these people say, all right, and they go off all their life and they're constantly remaining in bondage with no help. They're going off to psychologists, psychiatrists, paying 200 bucks an hour, no better. No better. Why? Because they're not dealing with the root of the problem. Now listen to this. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Jesus said this. When the unclean spirit, 
or demon is gone out of a man or person, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he, say, then he says, the demon, I will return into my house from where I came out. And when he is come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also in this wicked generation. Now, casting demons out of an unbeliever would make them worse off, Jesus said. Listen, the only way a person's going to keep a demon from returning back to them is if they're a believer. It's Jesus who keeps them out. Uh, an unbeliever still has that sin nature. They have no restraint. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I'm going to get into this here. Um, so only a Christian has the ability to keep them from returning. Uh, glory to God. So go with me to Luke 9. I want to start here. Luke 9, 38. Deliverance from demonic spirits is referred to as healing. Deliverance from demonic spirits is referred to as healing. Look at Luke 9, 38 through 42. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit takes him, and he suddenly cries out, and it tears him, that he foams at the mouth, and br it bruises him, uh, and it doesn't depart from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer, and suffer you? Bring your son hither. And as he was yet a-coming, the devil, or the demon, threw him down, the little boy, and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and, there it is, healed the child. And he delivered again him again unto his father. Notice in that, and that's in the context of Jesus casting a demon out of a young child. It said Jesus healed the child. Now, here's the deal. You cannot separate casting out demons from healing. You can't separate. Now, here's a, in the charismatic Pentecostal circles and all that in, in, in the body of Christ, you have uh, Christians who believe, yeah, of course, divine healing is for Christians. But then, then you, you talk about deliverance from demonic spirits and like, oh, no way, Christian can't have a demon. Well, what do you mean? Jesus referred to it as healing, or the word of God. The word of God refers to deliverance as healing. And I'll tell you this right now. You can't separate casting out demons from a healing ministry. You can't do it. You won't have a complete and, and, and full heal, healing ministry without the knowledge of deliverance and ministering deliverance. Um, in fact, there is no place in the Bible that says or hints that a Christian can't be demonized. Or have a demon that needs to be casted out. There is no place in the Bible that says it. 
Not one. Um, now, a lot of people say, yeah, but light can't dwell with darkness, and the Holy Spirit's in you. And, and the, when you get born again, what gets born again? Your spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit then dwell? Your spirit. Your body and your soul, mind, will, and emotions, are not born again. And that is where the devil can take residence. Not in your spirit. And I'm going to be getting into this in, to a moment. Now, um, let me ask you this. Can a Christian be in bondage to pornography, alcohol, fornication, sex before marriage? Can a Christian be involved in those things? Huh? Well, I thought you said light can't dwell with darkness. Catch my point? Now, can a Christian have a disease in their body? Can a Christian be blind? Can a Christian be deaf and dumb? Can a Christian have epilepsy? Well, can they? Well, you just agreed. And there's all biblical examples in the word that reveal that demonic spirits were the cause of each one of those things. <laughs> you catch my point? <laughs> blindness. There's a spirit of blindness. Remember, and Jesus casted out a, a deaf and dumb spirit and a spirit of epilepsy that made a boy foam at the mouth and in convulsions. So uh, turn with me to Matthew 9. Matthew 9.32. Let me just read one here to you. So, you know, then you would have to say, you would have to say, well, then anyone who's, who's deaf and dumb, anyone who, who has, who's blind or, or anyone who has a, a sickness that's caused by a de demonic spirit, well, then they can't be a Christian. You see how foolish that sounds? You can't do that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to cast this devil out of you before you can become a Christian. It, it just doesn't make sense. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying when you reason this out, you'll see that deliverance is for Christians. And I'm going to get into this more here. But Matthew 9, 32 through 33. It says, as they went out, behold, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, a dumb man possessed with a devil, a demon. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. It says that speech impediments here can be the direct cause of a demonic spirit. Well, can a Christian have that kind of impediment? Yes or no? Absolutely. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. Now, uh, oh, glory to God. Let me see where I want to pick up here. I'm kind of jumping down a little. Hallelujah. Now, so I'm here to tell you tonight, and I'm going to hammer this in you, because this is the key to so many Christians' freedom. Their spiritual revival hinges on this one very one area of ministry that's so neglected in the body of Christ, and it's deliverance. A Christian can have a demon, and deliverance from them is the children's bread, which you'll see in a moment here too. Now, so demons, they're also called, as you've mentioned here, they're called demons, devils, 
evil spirits or unclean spirits. They're all used interchangeably. Demons, devils, evil spirits, and unclean spirits. Um, contrary to popular belief, demon spirits do not leave a person automatically when they become a born-again Christian. Well, we just established, can there be a Christian who loves the Lord with their whole heart, who can have epilepsy, be deaf and dumb, be blind? Absolutely. Uh, or have any other thing that's caused by a d- demonic spirit. You, you see, it just it doesn't add up. Oh, you know, oh, we got to cast the devil out of you before you can make Jesus Lord of your life. There's nothing in the Word that says anything about that. There's nothing in the Word of God that even hints that a devil leaves you when you get saved. Now, they must be casted out or commanded to leave an individual. Um, In fact, Jesus and his disciples, as we found out, spent much of their time casting out demons. Uh, It was part of the gospel, and it still is part of the good news. Tidings of good things. More than one thing. It's more than you just going into heaven one day, walking through the pearly gates for eternity. God has made provision for you and I to be set free from these things. You don't have to live how the world does. But because so many uh, people have bought into this lie, well, we got Christians who are walking around in bondage, disease, and uh, all these other addictions because people want to stick to the, their, pres, you know, the, their mindsets that a Christian can't be demonized. They would rather prove their own instead of getting into the Word and studying it for themselves. I'm telling you what, the people who are doing deliverance, there are so few of us. Uh, you know, God has them. Uh, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying that it's, it's a country club thing. But there's so few who are doing this thing. There's a waiting list that is huge for deliverance ministries. Because people finally catch on and say, hey, I'm doing this, this, and this, and that, and that. And it's not getting any better. Tell me what you have to say. You know, what, what can you do? And we show them in the word that it, the, this issue here. And uh, people, so there's a huge waiting list. Uh, I got people from all over the state of Michigan, uh, even in the Detroit area, who are on a waiting list for me uh, in Elizabeth to minister to them. Now, um, so if Jesus and the disciples went around casting out demons and healing the sick everywhere they went, the obvious question is then, who did they cast them out of? <laughs> Don't you think someone would answer, ask that question eventually? Well, Jesus did it. He told us to do it, right? They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Wouldn't the obvious question be, well, who did they cast them out of then? <laughs> you know, but a lot of people leave that question off. Um, but most of the people who were ministered to, most of the time, because there are some exceptions, most of the time uh, they were ministering to believers, people who were in covenant with God, believers. That's who they ministered to most of the time, and I'm going to show you why in a moment. Um, but the, were some in- instances where demons were casted out of an unbeliever. See, a, a deliverance is automatic for a believer. What do I mean by that? 
What I mean, if you're a Christian tonight and you were to come up to me and say, hey, I want to meet with you for delivering. Sure, absolutely. Let's, you know, go through the process. We'll set up a time and do that. But if someone came up to me and said, hey, I want to get deliverance from you. I'm like, oh, great. And they say, but I'm not a believer. I'll say, wait a minute. No. Uh, you know, in, in a situation like that, no. If they're not even willing to receive Jesus, and you're going to see in a minute why I wouldn't do that. Um, but some of the, the examples where they did this, Paul casted a spirit of divination, a lady who was a psychic. It was a demon spirit that was giving her that ability to, to know things that she wouldn't have known otherwise. Paul, in Acts 19, casted out a demon of divination out of this woman. Why? Well, because she was following him around and his evangelism troop. And she was saying, you know, oh, these are the servants of the Most High God. You know, she was sounding religious, but she was trying to stir up some stuff and trying to make them known so they would get in trouble. So it said, Paul, after he was grieved many days, it said after he was grieved many days. Notice he didn't do anything right away. It says after he was grieved many days, he waited for the Holy Spirit to tell him when to cast it out of that unbeliever. You see? Why? Because the primary reason for deliverance is for the believer. So in an instance like that, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? He casted a demon out because this lady was trying to hinder his spreading the gospel in this certain city. Um, and the demoniac of Gadara. Remember him? This fruitcake was out there at the tombs. He was naked, barking like a dog, howling. All right? And so obviously he did, his will was so overtaken by these demon spirits, Jesus went over and set him free. Now, something cute about this, this is how deliverance ministers are, are treated these days, the same way Jesus was. Don't you think that the people of that city who heard this man who was naked by the tombs, howling like a dog, after Jesus casted out demons out of him, this man was in his right mind after Jesus did that. It said he was sitting in his right mind and he was clothed. Don't you think the people would have been appreciative and said, wow, there's something to this. But what did they do? They tried to throw him out of the city. Jesus, who set that man free. I guess they would rather want to see a naked guy sitting by a tomb howling like a dog. But that's the mindset even today. You see how the devil twists it? Jesus came and set that man free. And that's what we are trying to do with people. But don't, we take a lot of persecution about this thing. You understand me? I'm sure there's going to be people in this city who's going to look at us like a bunch of fruitcakes. But when you know the truth, you're responsible to spread the truth and use what you got. Didn't Jesus tell the disciples, he said, freely you have received, freely give. I'll tell you what, people, I'm so convinced that deliverance is the children's bread. If I hold it in, I would be judged for it. If I don't minister deliverance and, and, and operate in what I know about this, and I let people go ahead and be in bondage and committing suicide, stay in bondage, I would be judged for that. And after you receive the knowledge of this and you get trained up, you need to operate in this too. It's not just for a select few, you understand. Jesus said, these signs shall follow who? Them who believe in my name. Amen? Amen. And that's why we're here. So, uh, you know, for an those are the instances where an unbeliever was ministered to. But the primary thrust of deliverance is for the believer. Why? 
Because healing is purchased by Jesus and it's available in the new covenant. Um, now, you know, even an unbeliever at a healing service can be healed once in a while, right? You ever see a Benny Hinn service or something like that where someone came up and said, well, I wasn't even a believer and I got touched by the power of God. Afterward, they turned into a believer, but uh, some of them. But even an unbeliever, even a, even a blind squirrel can catch a nut sometime, amen? <laughs> now, uh, the purpose of casting out demons is not to put a spiritual feather in your cap. Remember when the 70 came back rejoicing? Said, Lord, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Remember that? Then Jesus kind of said, oh, yeah, yeah, they are. And then he, you know, kind of brought them back down a little bit. The purpose of deliverance from demonic spirits is to bring healing and wholeness to the individual that you're ministering to. That's the purpose. Healing and wholeness to the individual. Not to put some feather in your cap. I'll tell you, it is pretty exciting though. This is one of the most exciting ministries. It is the most exciting <laughs> ministry that I have ever been involved with. Seeing the power of God. The, the Bible comes so alive to you. When, when I command, and I command a devil to come out in the name of Jesus, that thing, seeing it shudder and, and scream as it comes out, the Bible comes alive. When you see the power that's in the name of Jesus and how they shudder at the word of God. It's awesome. It, it is awesome. And you can be a part of that too. Amen? Yeah. Now, let's get into this. The King James Version uses the word possessed. Possessed with demons, okay? But the more accurate word or phrase would be demonized or to have a demon. Or to be under the influence of a demon or demons. You see, a person can, be, can have more than one demon, okay? They can, and, and quite frequently they do, because a lot of them group together. Like someone who may have a spirit of lust, well, there might be the spirit of perversion in the group too, or a spirit of pornography. You understand what I'm saying? More often than not, we've ran into, most of the time, people have more than one demonic spirit where they need deliverance from. Um, so the word possessed, when people hear that, it seems to imply ownership. You understand what I'm saying? That's why it's not the best translation to say possessed with a demon. Because people think, well, what do you mean? The demon owns you? No, 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 no. Uh, the devil cannot own a Christian, by the way. Uh, let's put it this way. It's like this. It's like in your home. You, you might have some mice, mice running around in your home in your attic, right? They don't own the home, but you have mice in your home. You have mice. You understand what I'm saying? That's why a lot of people get freaked out when they hear the word possessed, because then they're like, oh, no, oh, yeah, what do you mean? You know, devil can't own you. Well, we're not talking that way, all right? We mean you, you have a devil or demons. You, you, uh, it's like having mice in your home. That's kind of a, the best description I can give. I hope that makes it clear for you. Uh, most demonic spirits enter a person before they are saved. Uh, occult involvement, Ouija board, horoscopes. Uh, anything with the occult, Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of people have opened themselves up to those role-playing games, uh, drugs, uh, pornography, fornication, rape, abuse, incest, molestation, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things that, that can be a doorway. Uh, so, and I want to point this out. 
It's not always something that you have done. It may have been something that was done to you. If you were ever molested as a kid, if you were ever raped, you can get demons because of that emotional trauma was so great. Um, and we'll get into that at another time. Uh, in extreme backslidden conditions, a believer can open themselves up to dem demons by giving place to, to the devils. E Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. Now, this is interesting because that word place is the Greek word topos. We get our English word top topography as in a literal place or where someone would occupy something. Interesting, isn't it? It sheds a whole different picture. So it says, don't give place to the devil. Interesting. Um, turn with me to Acts 8. This is a good one here. Are you enjoying this tonight? A lot of information coming forth. Um, just make sure you sign up for a free CD on the back table before you go, and we can get a CD, because there's so much information that's going to be in this teaching, and I'm kind of cramming it in. Um, Acts 8, 4 through 8. Listen to this. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now let's reason this out, people, together. If demonic spirits left a person automatically when they became a Christian, why wouldn't Philip just get them saved then? Why would he even waste his time casting devils out? Chew on that one for a minute. That, that means Philip wasted his time then, casting them out. He might as well just get them saved, get them to say the sinner's prayer, confess Jesus as Lord. <laughs> Boom, they're gone, they're out of there, they're set free Hallelujah. But that's not the case. They, what happened was they got saved, and then Philip dealt with the bondages in the demonic spirits and casted them out. And notice, there was healing going on, casting out devils, and verse 8 goes on to say that there was great joy in that city. I'll tell you, if you need deliverance and you end up going through it, there is such a joy that comes into your spirit. You feel like 10 tons of spiritual junk has lifted off of you. Like darkness has just come off and the light shines. I'm telling you what. Is anyone bold enough to say they went through it and can agree to that? Look at that. It's, look, we got testimonies right in this room of people. Let me ask you this. People who raise their hand. When you went through deliverance, were you a Christian? Amen. Amen. There you go. Look at that. So, uh, so obviously, if devils left automatically when a person got saved, well, Philip would have just got them saved, baptized them, and that would have been the end of the story. But it wasn't the case. Uh, go to Mark 1, 21. 
Mark 1.21. Think about it. Some of you might be uh, on the fence still about this topic, but think about it. If what I'm telling you is right, which I believe it is, can you imagine the keys, the, the, what this could open up in people's lives? This could be the very key to revival in a person's life. Of, of something, you ever felt that way, anyone here, that spiritually speaking now, that there, there's something just holding me back. I want to go farther with God. I want to. And I, there's always a roadblock. I can't get past this roadblock, spiritually speaking. Could be a demonic spirit, the bondage in your life, and you need deliverance. That could be the case. Now, Mark 121. Verse 20 through 28, and, and they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught, Jesus did. And they were astonished at his doctrine, or his teaching. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was, there was in their synagogue, or in a local church, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This is a demon speaking through, using the man's vocal cords and mouth. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Notice that Jesus, this is the first exorcism that Jesus had encountered in his earthly ministry, and it took place in a local church. <laughs> now, what does that mean? You have to understand this. Back in those days, only believers would assemble in the synagogues. Listen to me. It's not like nowadays where on a Sunday morning service you might have some visitors who aren't saved. The synagogue was known believers, only those who were in covenant with God came into the synagogue. That's very important. Jesus' first exorcism took place in a man who was sitting in the pew in a local church, in a synagogue. Look at Mark 138. Uh, Mark 138 through 39. And Jesus said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore I came forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Jesus had a church hopping tour going on, and he was casting out devils in the churches. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm hammering the point. A Christian... Deliverance is a benefit for the believer. Don't buy into the lie that a Christian can't have a demon. I hope, hopefully you're taking hold of this foundation from the word I'm giving you that's, that's proving that point. Um, go to Mark 7, 25. Mark 7, 25. Through 27. For a certain woman whose young daughter, yes, children can have demons and be in need of deliverance. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. 
The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. Okay, this was an unsaved woman, so to speak, you would say back in those days. She was outside of the covenant of God, okay? And she besought him, Jesus, that he would cast forth the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, come on, don't miss this. Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat or proper to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. Jesus referred to deliverance from demonic spirits as the children's bread. In other words, deliverance is primarily for those who are in covenant with God now through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, uh, this is interesting. All of the other individuals now who Jesus must have ministered to must have been in covenant with God. They must have been believers. Well, now, how can I make such a statement like that? Because this is the only instance where Jesus, with this woman, uh, Set, put a, kind of put a hold on things and said, hey, let the children or let the believers first be filled. There's no other account where Jesus did that. So the ones that he ministered and casted demons out of freely must have been in covenant with God. Are you following me? Does that make sense to you? Um, now with the demoniac, as I said, he was totally lunatic and out of his mind. You minister to people like that who they have absolutely no control. Um, but, uh, but that lady now, he said, hey, let the children first be filled. That, that, that one passage of scripture could be the stake in the ground to prove that deliverance is for Christians. Amen? We're giving you more. We're giving you more. Turn to Luke 13. Are you getting a bruise on your index finger yet from turning the pages of the word so much? <laughs> Luke 13.10. And he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, a demon of infirmity, an evil spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called, to her, uh, called her to him and said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue, or the pastor you would call him nowadays, answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. See, that's what religious mindsets do to people. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, the Lord answered him and said, Listen to this, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water? And ought not this woman, being a Underline it, daughter of Abraham, a believer, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond or bondage on the Sabbath day. This woman, Jesus referred to her as a daughter of Abraham. 
It's not talking about her ethnic background. That is a reference to her being in covenant with God. She was a believer. And it said that for 18 years, she had a spirit of infirmity, a demon. A demon of infirmity, 18 years. Now, uh, there's a lot of points I could bring up about this because obviously some, somewhere 18 years before the healing, there was some kind of an entry point for this demonic spirit. And we'll, in future healing services, get into different about entry points and, and uh, how they operate. Um, Matthew 10, 1, Jesus, uh, of course, sent the 12 and the 70. He said, don't go to the Gentiles, he said, but go to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, the word lost there, it means that those who are scattered uh, abroad, those who are looking for the Messiah, not lost as in unsaved, okay? Um, now, I mentioned to you how children can have demons. You know, children, you can, children in the womb can even be demonized right from the get-go because of generational curses, spirits of inheritance, which we'll get into maybe at the next one we can touch on. Uh, or uh, quite a lot of times one of the most dominant spirits that we deal with when we're dealing with children too or adults where the demonic spirit entered when they were a child is the spirit of rejection. And a lot of times they've entered in because the parents said over them, I don't want you. I wish you were never born. Guess what? You're given legal right to a demonic spirit now to attack your child. Congratulations. <laughs> right? Don't do that. The words that you speak are very powerful. And there may be some in this place tonight. You're carrying around tons of bondage and baggage because of the words that were spoken to you as a child. And I speak healing to you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Finest Dake. Anyone know who Finest Dake was? He was one of the greatest Bible scholars uh, in history. Wrote many, many books. He said uh, he was one of the greatest preachers of all time, in fact. He said, there are demon spirits for every sickness, unholy trait, and doctrinal error known amongst men. They must be casted out or restricted in order to experience relief from them. You see, in Matthew 12, 44, unclean spirits, they refer to the body as their house. Remember? He says, uh, you know, uh, I'll go back to my house. He refers to it in the house. Um, in fact, unclean spirits, demonic spirits crave to indwell human body, a human, because that's the way that they can function uh, and, and, and perform their function, which leads me to this now. Every demonic spirit has a function, uh, and they are named according to their function, such as the spirit of fear, spirit of jealousy is in the word. Spirit of lust, spirit of incest, rape, addiction, heaviness, depression, cancer, blindness, divination, homosexuality. There's a, uh, so they're named according to their function, okay? That's, that's something, witchcraft, spirit of witchcraft is a big one um, that we deal with quite a bit. Um, 
It's interesting to me in the Bible, like that time when the, when the father brought uh, his son who was demonized to Jesus. And it's interesting that back in the Bible days, people would recognize when someone had demonic spirits. You understand what I'm saying? They recognize, hey, this person has demons. Even the seven sons of Sceva recognized a man who had demons because they tried calling them out without being a believer. And, of course, you know the story, right? The devil jumped on them, and they fled away naked and bruised. But uh, people back in the Bible days, they, they could catch on when something was, there was a demonic spirit active. But nowadays, you got so many people who are trying to who mask the problem. They just call it the flesh a lot of times. Okay, that's code for there might be something behind the flesh. Amen. Um, especially when it's a bondage and, and constant, constant, and they can't get freedom over it. Um, so, you know, or, or, you know, doctors like psychologists and stuff, a lot of times they just mask the problem, dope people up with medication, and they're not taking care of the root cause. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Well, he's not talking to me tonight. There's no way I can have a demon. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Let me tell you this. At some deliverance seminars I've been to uh, and ministered at, people who came just because they thought they were a spectator, they ended up manifesting demons right on the spot in those seminars. In fact, I had a man once, uh, when I lived on the east side, a man brought his wife to me because she was severely demonized. And we started ministering to her. And as I was calling the spirits out, commanding them to come out in the name of Jesus, the husband started manifesting right on the spot. And then we started ministering to both of them right on the spot. Now, uh, Elizabeth and I have even ministered to full-time pastors, and they manifested demons. Contrary to popular belief, pastors and people who are in the ministry are not superhuman. Sorry to burst your bubble. Amen? They deal with things just like you do. Um, but I know of many pastors who are in bondage to pornography, lust, and other things. And they recognize. You know, I, I had pastors come to me and say, you know, brother, you know, I have to apologize. He said, we've been making fun of your ministry. We've been making fun of this whole idea about Christians having a demon and deliverance. Because I have to apologize. I'm wrong. And I need deliverance. And um, so people, people eat their words on that. Uh, to finish up, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Hallelujah. Then we'll get into a time of prayer. How am I doing, Chris? Okay. It's all going on one CD. <laughs> Thought you might have to switch one, but I guess not. Praise God for that. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now, uh, you'll hear people say, well, those things in the Christian's life, it's just the flesh. And you'll hear them say, you can't cast out flesh. Well, they're right. You can't cast out flesh. And they say, you know, they, they say that as if it's evidence to prove 
that a Christian can't have demons or need deliverance. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? They neglect all the proof that's in the Word of God about this topic. So they say, you know, you can't cast out flesh. Well, now, follow me on this. Demons, we, I told you, they're named according to their function. There's a spirit of lust. And, and all, of these, all of these names that are the work of the flesh, there's demons for every function that's listed here. All right? Um, so, like adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and all of these things, listen to me now. Demon spirits work hand in hand with the fleshly nature of humans. A lot of people, like I said now, follow me. They say, you can't cast out flesh. They, they try to get rid of the demon factor, and they say it's just the flesh the Christian is dealing with. But listen to me. Demonic spirits work hand in hand with the fleshly nature. A Christian can be in such a carnal state of mind, their mind is not renewed, that the demons can operate right through that fleshly nature. Okay? Now, follow me on this. Um, but the reason I believe, the reason, I, I got this in prayer one day, and in this just, follow me now. The reason God calls these things here, the work of the flesh, and not works of demons per se, is because a demon spirit cannot control the will of an individual. Now that demoniac now, his mind, I, I step out and say this, his mind was so unrenewed, he was so beat down spiritually that the demons had free reign in his life. That's why, that's when someone gets really in a lunatic position. Their mind is so beat down and devils can operate freely. But you as a Christian, you as a Christian have the choice whether to give in. If you have a demon that needs to be cast out, you still have a choice while it's still in there, in fact. You have a choice to give in to those compulsions or not. And that's why it's called the works of the flesh, because the responsibility is on you. If, it call, if God called it the works of demons, well, then you could just blame everything on the devil. The devil made me do it. But you can't do that as a Christian because you can overpower the will of the demon that may be in there. But a person's mind can be so beat down and unrenewed that the demon can operate freely in the life of an individual. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be uh, a, a, a Christian who's demonized now. Usually it's an area of a, of a person's life, such as addiction to pornography or alcohol. That demon's focusing on that one area. That's the, maybe a spirit of addiction. That's the one area or a spirit of molestation, you know. Uh, perversion, where the devil plays mind games, a spirit of mind control, spirit of confusion. Come across that a lot where people, people typically who say, I, I try to read the word and, and I just end up either falling asleep or, or I just get in such a state of confusion I can't even understand what I'm reading. A lot of times there's a demon behind that. Amen? Now, you need to take advantage of your benefits in Christ. That's why I tell Christians, I say, hey. They say, well, how do I know if I need deliverance? I say, you know what? I, I tell every Christian. I say, I believe every Christian should at least go through the process. If there's something there, it'll be casted out. If it's not, what do you have to lose? And not only that, we go through and renounce generational curses. 
We go through and renounce evil soul ties. And all of these other things, aside from casting out demons, it leads up to that. We're breaking the legal rights that the devils are holding on to in your life. And then we get rid of them. But I recommend that every believer go through it. And uh, like I said, what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose is a demon if you have one. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> or demons. You know, some people think, well, that's a radical thing to say. You know, everyone should go through it. Well, I, I'm sticking to it. Because I've seen so many people who say, well, I could never have demons, and they're the ones who manifest. And afterwards, they thank, thank me for casting it out. Amen? Uh, and listen to me. What person in this place does not have baggage from their past? Who in here can say, before you were saved, you never did anything that would open yourself up to a demonic spirit? Nobody. Because there's no one here without sin. We all have a past. We all have junk in the closet, so to speak. Amen? Hallelujah. See, there should be no shame for a Christian to seek deliverance from demonic bondage. The shame is in allowing them to continue to operate in your life. That should be the real shame. But the devil's twisted it. The devil says, you know, makes people shameful to even seek deliverance. No. Let's put it in the right perspective. The shame is allowing the devil to operate without confronting him in your life. Let's stand in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for what you've done. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you that the truth is coming forth, your word. Hallelujah. Lift your hands in this place, every person. Let's invite the Holy Spirit, his presence, the anointing, the healing anointing. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we just pray that your anointing would flow in this place like a wave from one wall to the other, Father God, right now. We invite your precious Holy Spirit, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Father, the people who have come here tonight, Father, they stepped out in faith. Lord, they, they, they said, maybe I don't know everything there is to know about it. Maybe you're here tonight and this is the first time you've heard the message of divine healing and deliverance. Great. You have, you have heard something from the word of God that is yours. It's something that's, in fact, Satan probably hindered a lot of you from coming tonight. Tried to. A lot of spiritual warfare may have been leading up to this night. But by you coming to this place, being willing to hear what the Word of God has to say. See, you didn't come here to hear a man. You didn't come here to hear me. You've come to hear the Word of God because that's where the power is at. And if you're here tonight, you put your faith into action tonight. Now, what I want to do is, first off, if there's an individual who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, that's kind of, that's your starting point, so to speak, right? What's the, what's the point of you coming up, prayer for healing if you're unsaved? You get healed, but your soul's damned for eternity. Your spirit's damned for eternity. So if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you never have, I want you to come down. Now, no shame in this place tonight. This isn't your grandmother's church. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what someone around you is thinking. I want you to prepare your heart right now to receive from God. If you need a healing, 
prayer for anything, I want you to come down to this altar right now. Just step out. Don't worry about what other people around you are feeling. You've come to this place. You've come this far. Don't leave without coming up for prayer. Don't do it. That's exactly what the enemy would like you to do. Number one, if he can't blind you, he would rather you get the information and not do anything with it. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he wants. One of, the, one, of, one of those two things. Anyone else, come on down. Prayer for healing. Whether it's physical, emotional healing. I'm talking about all kinds of healing. There's a bondage in your life. I'm not going to make it public. I'm going to shut the mic off here in a moment. I want you to come down. If you need a touch from the Lord in any area, I want you to come down to this altar. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to come down in faith. And this is what's going to happen now. When I lay my hands on you and pray over you, I want you to believe that the power of God is being released because I'm coming to an agreement with you that the power of God is going to be loose. Come on down. Anyone else? Just line up if you have to. Line up in the center row, for goodness sakes. This is a healing meeting. Glory to God. Don't, we don't have to be all fancy here. You understand what I'm saying? Those of you who are in front, move up a little bit in case there's others. You have to just move up, so make some room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Is there a Kleenex over there? Hallelujah. Thanks, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus. I'm going to shut this thing off, and I'm going to take it off. And I'm just going to start praying. Don't leave this place if you need prayer tonight. Don't leave. 